Rockheads, it's time for another stellar edition of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Mark Dunn. This is Karen Cavallero here to announce show number 43 with guest Robert Green, recorded Wednesday, October 22nd, 2003, and published Monday, December 15th, 2003. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net. Training developers to work smarter. And now, the man with 400% more nutritional value than crack, Carl Franklin. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. A big thanks to you, Karen Cavallaro, our new announcer. Let's give it up for Karen. All right. And uh, also a great big thanks to the people at MSDN Online who are uh, graciously donating their space and their web space to, uh, to mirror the site. And now I would like to introduce you to the baddest man in .NET showbiz, my co-host and compadre, Mark Dunn. Give it up. How are you, Mark? Hey, Carl. I am doing great, my man. What's up in, a, what's up in Connecticut? Clouds full of rain. and oh. It's been raining like hell out here. Oh, man. It's been a beautiful day down here in Atlanta funny because the last show we taped it was absolutely stunning you know the the weather can drop 30 degrees from day to day it's unbelievable so what have you been up to man oh well i uh, just got back from dev connections uh just as you did yeah uh, that was a lot of fun how did your talk on garbage collection go how yeah long? actually i you know i i wasn't sure how that was going to go i thought you know this is not exactly an exciting topic uh, but we got good feedback from that session. Everyone seemed to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I got into some areas that I, I think were new to a lot of folks in the room. I especially like the stuff about resurrection and weak references, things that probably most VB programmers would not care to dive into. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, through the session, we, we showed it's really easy to implement that. Yeah, but it was very cool. Well, uh, Mark, as you know, we got some really good uh, email. We got another email from Rick Byers, who we uh, talked uh, talked about before. He had sent us some email. He says, hey, Carl, I've heard you comment many times on .NET Rocks about people who say VBNet being a less powerful language than C Sharp, etc. I prefer C Sharp myself, but I agree that there's very little technical difference between the two languages, and the decision should be based on personal style and other non-technical factors. However, I know you like to discuss the relatively minor technical differences between the languages, so when I came across the following information, I knew I had to pass it on to you. Uh, I recently read about exception filters in Rotor in SSCLI Essentials, and we'll provide a link on the website here, and was surprised to learn the CLR supported this. And he's talking about exception filters. I'm a bit of a programming language theory enthusiast, and exception filters are a feature typically found in more pattern-based programming languages like SML, which is a really cool language, by the way. Today, I was reading an entry in Chris Broom's blog, program manager on the CLR team and overall CLR god. Nice plug for uh, Chris Broom there. Yeah, no kidding. And was surprised to learn that VBNet supports exception filters and C Sharp does not. This is a cool language feature, and in my opinion, it's too bad C-sharp doesn't support it. So next time someone gives you a hard time about VBNet, throw this in their face. (laughs) 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 Just another opportunity to stir up some discontent here. Um, Anyway, uh, basically, what he's talking about here is when you you do a Mm try-catch, you would say try and then some statements that might fail, and then catch E as whatever exception when... Expression filter, and and the filter, uh, you know, you can you can basically filter out the test, do a test right there in the catch, so it's like a conditional catch. Well, I, d- I didn't know those were called exception filters. I I've, I've seen that in code before, but just didn't know what they called it. Yeah, he says, of course, at the runtime level, we cannot separate the test for the exception type ex- expression and the filter expression. We only support a bare expression, so the VB compiler turns the above catch into something like catch when is inst dollar exception obj whatever. You, you know, I'm I'm not going to read this code here for you. I could barely understand it visually, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is pretty cool. Now, I didn't even I didn't even know that was uh, that was there. Tell you the truth, that was, that's a very cool feature. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Byers, man. That's a great tip. 
Very cool. So another way that we can uh, proclaim our superiority as VB programmers, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's all about positioning, isn't it? <laughs> all right. Don't send me mail. Uh, it's a joke, all right? Um, we, we're just having fun here, ladies and gentlemen. And speaking of fun, this is going to be an exciting show, don't you think, Mark? Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Oh, man. Listeners out there going, oh, God, are we going to have the exciting joke again? Just, uh, well, anyway, it is a very exciting show, especially for office developers, as I mentioned in the intro, because Robert Green is our guest today. Robert Green is a Visual Studio lead program manager focusing on the Visual Studio tools for Office system and bringing .NET framework development to solutions based on Office. But after seven years in marketing, Robert is moving over to the Visual Basic product team where uh, he's now a program manager focusing on building the VB community and adding community features to future versions of Visual Basic. Sounds exciting. Um, so we're not going to talk about the VB stuff because that's a new job for him, but what we are really interested in is all about Visual Studio tools for Office. All right, and we've had some listeners that uh, have basically asked us to uh, get into this topic. Right, and we've had some guests like Tim Huckabee talk a little bit about it, but this is the guy. We've got the man here. The man here to explain the stuff. Robert, how are you, sir? I'm great. Now I'm, I'm worried that I have a big head. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It, it squeezes down to uh, a bite array when we, when we go through the Internet here, so it's really not a big deal. And so. we have more rain than you do, so quit crying. Uh, you're right. You're right about that. It only rains every other day here, whereas it rains every day in Seattle, so... Five and a half inches of rain Monday. Monday? <laughs> that was that was just Monday. Wow. <laughs> but it's a dry rain, right? <laughs> no, not yeah. Until you go out in it, then it then it's not so dry. That's what they say in Phoenix. It's a dry heat. If I I did a gig in Phoenix and I went there, and if one more person said it's a dry heat to me, I was going to smack them. <laughs> so tell us about. The uh, the launch of this new product. All right. We launched Visual Studio Tools for the Microsoft Office system, which is the long name. We call it Visual Studio Tools for Office for short, and we abbreviate it VSTO. We launched that past Monday at the Connections show in the keynote Monday morning, mm -hmm. um, and we're excited about it. The product is should be on store shelves, uh, hopefully in the next week or so. It's available on MSDN. And we think it's a very exciting product and brings a lot of options to Visual Studio developers who want to build solutions based on Office, particularly the latest version of Office, 2003, which launched yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Wow. And yesterday to the listeners, two weeks ago at least, um, we're talking October 21st, right? Right. October 21st. Uh, so tell us what it is. I mean, we've had a little bit of uh, uh, some teasers, but tell us okay. tell us what people can expect from this product. Well, traditionally, developers have been able to build solutions based on Office, and they've used VBA quite often, and they've also been able to use automation. And I think most of the listeners are probably familiar with both of those techniques. Those, of course, still exist. VBA is still in office. But, you know, as you know, we introduced Visual Studio.net and the .NET framework a few years ago. And developers using Visual Studio want to know, when can I use the .NET framework and the .NET languages and build solutions based on Office? And that's what the Visual Studio tools for Office do. It's, it's the first step in our vision. I emphasize first step first step in our vision of bringing .NET framework development to solutions based on Office. Now, um, I got a question. The, what's the, can you tell me the basic difference between this suite of tools and, say, just using the object model, the COM object model of Office from VBNet? You can continue to use the COM objects and go through interop using the PIAs, um, which, by the way, ship in Office 2003. So you would do that in a situation where you might have a WinForm as the UI and you want to call some Office functionality. 
firing up Excel to do calculations or firing up Word to do reports or firing up PowerPoint. So that's that's still there, of course. All right. Mm -hmm. The flip side is when the user interface is Word or Excel. So someone's sitting in an expense report or a sales report or they're sitting in Word to do um, reporting or proposal generation and you want to write code that runs in response to actions they take. Opening okay. the document, um, uh, changing values in a cell, etc. So the object model, the events are the same. Um, Office 2003 has not is not dramatically different in terms of the object model. There are some new things in there, of course, particularly around the XML features and, and other things. But if you have done automation or if you've done VBA in the past, then you already and are already familiar with the object models in Word and Excel. Um, then you understand today how to talk to data in an Excel spreadsheet or text in a Word document. Um, what Visual Studio Tools for Office lets you do is write code in VB.NET or C Sharp using the .NET framework that then runs from inside that Word document or Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Cool. So Visual Studio Tools for Office, you will create a brand new Visual Studio project, specify whether it's based on an Excel spreadsheet or a Word document or a Word template. Choose your language, VB or C Sharp. Point, typically point to an existing document or spreadsheet. Um, there's a, a project wizard that walks you through those steps. Then you write your code based on the event model of the Word or Excel. What you then do is it's .NET Framework code, so it's calling web services, it's using the framework classes, it's using ADO.NET, all the things that you're totally familiar with. Then when you compile and build the application, what you've done is created a .NET assembly, which is not stored in the document or spreadsheet, will typically be stored on a network share. When the user opens the spreadsheet or document, it knows that there's code associated with it because we put two custom properties in the document, name of the assembly, where wow. it's located. Okay. When the document opens, it checks for those properties if they exist, downloads the code, hands it over to the CLR, then the code runs. So That's what you're really cool. doing is building VB and C-sharp code that is then called from inside the document. That is sweet. Yeah. So, you know, on the face of it, you might say, oh, that just sounds like the .NET way of doing what I'm currently doing in VBA. And at the high, high level, there's obviously similarities. Code is called from inside the document. Um, the object model is the same. But there's some important differences. Well, yeah, the framework, for one. I mean, you get all that all the richness that's in the base class library. Yeah, I would imagine there's some efficiency differences as well. Well, the code, remember, the code's not stored in the document. It'll typically be stored on a server. And so this makes it much easier to maintain the code. Um, in the old model, if the code's stored in the document and you make a change to the code, then you have to tell everybody, first of all, you have to tell everybody, right. get out of the document, we need to make changes to it. Then you, or you have to tell them you need to download the new version yeah, of the expense report. Yeah, version problem, right? Um, so because we're using .NET Framework, we get the No Touch deployment, and we'll get the Click Once that's coming in WIDB that many of the listeners have heard about or possibly even familiar with by now. And that's sort of like auto deployment on steroids. Exactly. Yeah. And then because we're using .NET Framework, we get to use code access security. So in a nutshell, only trusted code will run from inside that document. And you use Great. the .NET Framework security policies to set up on each user's machines the rules as to whether or not they trust particular code, specifically where they trust code. That's really cool. Robert, when I was at Dev Connections, I happened to look in on one of the presentations, and I was fascinated to see a new project type uh, in Visual Studio.net. It was uh, Office System Projects or something like that. Right. Uh, is that a result of installing uh, 
the Visual Studio tools for Office? Yes. Uh, what all sort of templates are we going to find when we get in there? We have templates for Excel workbooks, Word documents, and Word templates. Then you choose VB or C Sharp. And uh, you know, I'll say right now, you know, that begs the question, well, what about the other applications, PowerPoint, Outlook, right. Access, right. what about other languages? And remember I said up front that this is our first attempt at bringing .NET Framework development to the world of Office. We chose Word and Excel, A, because those are the most widely used in a business setting. Right. And B, because, you know, we got a bit of a late start on this project in terms of the Office schedule, and Office 2003 was fairly far along when we started building this. And one of the, the other reason we were able to choose Word and Excel is because Word and Excel already have in them a mechanism for locating code and downloading it, which is basically how smart documents work. Smart okay. documents run in the task pane in Word, for example. You write code. It can be in, in .NET or it could be VB6. But the document knows that there's code, knows where it's located, and goes and grabs it. So we were able to piggyback on that functionality that's already in Word and already in Excel. Now, we obviously want to target additional applications, but we'll probably have to wait for the next version of Office for that. Yeah, when, you know, at Dev Connections, I saw a uh, incredible demo done by the eBay guys where they, I guess eBay has uh, is opening up or has opened up a uh, a bunch of web services so that you can go into an Excel spreadsheet and enter in the items that you want to sell, and then click a button in Excel and publish them on eBay. I saw that demo, and, and I just went nuts. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that really drives it home for people, seeing demos like that. Have you seen any other cool demos, that, uh, or, or what are some of the coolest things that you've heard of being done with this new stuff? Well, the cool thing about the eBay one is they have an SDK, uh, and SD the SDK can easily be called from your VB.NET or C-sharp code. And then that works with, as you said, web services to talk to the data, your data, as to what you're selling and what the bids have been that lives on eBay's site. And so the, the demo that you're talking about is an Excel spreadsheet where you manage uh, the list of things you're selling on eBay, and then you can very easily select the things you want to send up to the eBay site. As you said, click a button, and behind that button is the code that talks to their SDK using .NET languages, and then talks through that SDK via the web services. Another yeah, example that we also showed at Connections was Salesforce.com. Um, their example was a word-based proposal generator. Salesforce is also exposed all of the data's web services. You know, Salesforce is a web-based CRM tool, very, very popular one. So all the data lives in on their servers, or as we call it, in the cloud. And because all of that data is exposed by web services, you can use it from your client system. So in this demo, you would, from a Word document, call up an opportunity by getting data about that opportunity from the Salesforce site and then create the workflow for passing around that proposal. So who are your reviewers? Click a button, send that document with any uh, comments you might have back up to the Salesforce site. And then the next time one of the reviewers goes to the Salesforce site, downloads the document, runs it, again, downloads the code that you've written and runs that code. Can that code be at a URL as, as well as a network share? Yes. Cool. And, of course, it'll run if you trust code that comes from that URL. Right. Of course. Right. An easy way to do that, as we have mentioned a couple of times, is to use the trusted sites list Right. in the browser, add you know whatever your local machines are, your Internet machines to it, right. and then go into the uh, wizard, the .NET Framework wizard, and, and increase the security for trusted sites to full trust, because it's not at full trust yeah. by default. Because we're talking to Word and Excel through Cominterop, we do require full trust. Right. 
Robert, Mark, it's about that time in our show when we need to uh, pay the bills. So we'll be right back. I know what you're thinking. You'd really like an on-site VBNet Masterclass or ASPNet Masterclass, but you think it's too expensive. Well, have I got a deal for you. I will personally come to your company. If you've got a team of developers, we'll only charge you $1,500 per head for the first 10 and only a thousand per head after that. I'll bring crates of notebooks, nice Dell laptops, DBNet, objects, inheritance, serialization. Security, ASP.NET, data grids, data repeaters. Click once, auto deployment, ADO.NET, data sets, web services, store procedures. You name it, I'll show you how to do it. Just go to www.franklins.net and check out our on-site class offering. Robert, since uh, this show is going to air after the PDC, is there anything you can tell us about uh, the new releases that are coming out? Right. At PDC, we showed the Whidbey version of Visual Studio Tools for Office. And if you guys think that the shipping version is cool, <laughs> I think the Whidbey <laughs> version is even cooler. Whidbey version of anything is going to be cooler in my mind. I, I, I love Whidbey. Yeah. So in the current version, um, you know, the good news is that you talk to Word and Excel using the familiar object model. You write VB and C-sharp code, get to use the framework, get to use Visual Studio, get the no-touch deployment and the security but the downside continues to be that you are always talking to Word and Excel. And if I want to grab some data, if I want to address data in an Excel spreadsheet, my code looks something like this workbook dot sheets parentheses sales report dot range parentheses yeah, right. year dot value equals. You have lots of line continuation characters there. <laughs> Word and Excel by themselves, the object models don't really have a concept of there being a separation between view and data. Now Office 2003 improves on this with the XML capabilities um, because you can map an XML schema to pieces of a document or a spreadsheet mm. and then Word or Excel will do the data binding, if you will, for you. So it improves, but you don't really have a programming model that enables you to do that. What we're building in the Whidbey version of Visual Studio Tools for Office is a programmatic separation of view and data. What we will do is store the data in the Excel spreadsheet or the Word document as an XML data island, and then let you programmatically talk to the data. So based on a schema, whether it's your schema or an industry standard schema, you'll be able to write code that says something like um, revenue.year equals. Um, we'll also expose an event model on the data. So revenue underscore changed will be a method ah, that you can write code to. Nice. So first of all, you're just talking to the data. And then secondly, since you're just talking to the data, and since we're storing the XML data island in the document, what this means is that now you can, from your server-based applications, for instance, an ASP.NET page, write out that data island, and then when you open the Excel spreadsheet, 
we will automatically do the binding for you. So this cool. opens up a, a yeah, this opens up a lot of scenarios which today can't be done. We hear over and over again, I need to create Excel spreadsheets from my ASP.NET page and it doesn't scale. And of course it doesn't scale because Word and Excel are client based. And they're single threaded apartment objects and all that other stuff. Now there are third parties that have that have addressed this. Soft Artisans is a good example. They have the Excel writer and Word Writer products which will run from an ASP or ASP.NET page and will build your spreadsheet or Word document for you. But the cool thing about Office 2003, as I understand, is that an, a Word document can be created from an XML document. In fact, it, it right. is an XML document, right? Right. So there isn't any problem with that. Right. Wouldn't it have to be in a certain format, or are we saying just any, any XML document can be oh, it'll pulled have into to Word? Ha- yeah, it'll have to have a schema. Right. It has to map to the Word schema or the Excel schema. You can create the XML that's in the Word or Excel schema. You can do that. You can use the, the third-party products like Soft Artisans. Our approach is a little bit different in that we're not going to create the spreadsheet or the document for you. We're just going to write to the XML data island that is then stored in spreadsheet or the document, or retrieved by the spreadsheet or the document is more correct when you open that document. So just as today we download the code and run that the next time you open the document, in the Whidbey version we'll also download the data and then do the data binding for you. Now let me ask you, where do data sets fit in to this equation? Datasets fit in because the programming model that you'll use to talk to this XML, we're, we're going to continue to use type datasets. Awesome. We thought hard about it. I won't say we thought long about it because we, I think we pretty quickly came to the conclusion that we didn't want to introduce another data method. Right. <laughs> we wanted to continue using ADO.net and type datasets. That's a good reason to uh, to learn all you can about datasets, people. Yeah. And, uh, just a plug for the VBNet Masterclass, we spend a lot of ADO.net time on data sets and data set-centric programming. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, we certainly do. I should mention um, a couple other things we showed at PDC because yeah. we didn't stop there. Currently shipping version, um, if I want to make changes to the Excel spreadsheet itself, then I have to open up Excel. I write the code in Visual Studio. Then I go over to Excel, make the changes, and the Whidbey version will be hosting Word and Excel inside Visual Studio. Hmm. Cool. We are also mm-hmm. creating what we call view controls, um, which is a way of turning UI objects in Word and Excel into first-class.NET classes. Now, you, wait a minute. Go back to that first one. You say you're going to be hosting Word and Excel inside Visual Studio? Correct. So, like, the the document pane becomes a Word document. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Right. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll create classes around the UI objects. So things like ranges or list objects will now become classes um, with event models. So today in Excel, there's an event called Worksheet Change. So anytime anything in the spreadsheet changes, that triggers the Worksheet Change event. So all code you write based on values changing goes into that single method. Uh, in the Whidbey version, you'll be able to have a range changed event. So if I have a particular range called year, I'll have a year changed event, as well as a year before change, year right click change, uh, right click event, etc. So I'll be able to write uh, code that's based on a particular thing happening in the spreadsheet in um, the methods for that particular object. You know, I can tell you as as we're talking and I'm thinking of ways that I can use this, just one very simple way is to have uh, an Excel spreadsheet that when you open it goes, goes and hits a web service to download the most recent data from my database, any kind of data that I want to see, revenue, whatever, and just instantly gives me the numbers and plots a graph right when I open it. Right. Obvious cool thing, or maybe not so obvious cool thing, 
about about all this is that web services work from anywhere to anywhere. So the only requirement that somebody has to have is besides Office 2003 is an internet connection, and I could just send it by email. There you go. Open it up. Here's the here's the data, and it may not be the same data that it was when I sent it to you. Well, yes and no. If I use Visual Studio Tools for Office and I write code behind a spreadsheet and I email you that spreadsheet, that okay. code will not run. Oh, because of security. Right. All right. Let's say <laughs> I didn't email it to you. Let's say I put it on a a uh, internet share that you have a secure there you go. access to. Right. Because we, we not only have the concept of trusted code, we also have the concept of trusted documents. Right, okay. We're trying to reduce the attack surface here. And that's a good thing. Well, I, I was going back to thinking about what you were saying earlier about creating a schema, uh, maybe creating a strongly typed data set that represents a document. Once you've done that, you could expose that through a web service, and about anybody could consume it as long as they could read the schema and pick data out that they wanted. Right. So then, then you could go across multiple platforms with it without a problem. Right. Um, there is that issue in the data set of the diffgram not being supported by SOAP. Is that something that's that you know about, Robert? Um, that's not something we're explicitly addressing in this. Okay. That's a SOAP thing, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but would we really be dealing with diffgrams because you're basically going to take a, a document a snapshot of it in time, uh, stored in a data set with a schema that matches up with it. That's a good point. So I, I don't know that – I'm not sure how a diffgram would work there. Well, yeah, unless there was – data was going to be changed and sent back. So what else can you tell us about this that's – that people what, – what's the killer feature that people have to have? The killer feature, I think, is the ability to do .NET framework development in solutions where Word and Excel are the UI. I actually prefer to, to talk about it that way as opposed to saying, you know, this is office development. Office development covers a lot of things, not only this, but also smart docs and the research right. library and the XML and InfoPath and Access and a lot of great tools. What we're adding to the mix here is .NET framework development right. using Visual Studio, same .NET framework that you know and love, the VB and C Sharp. But instead of above. using the, the .NET grid, data grid, you're going to use Excel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you could eventually be able to drag a, a data grid onto the Excel spreadsheet. All right, interesting. If you need that. Right. We said that you build Windows applications and then you go over and build web applications. And, and it used to be you had to call in the web team you know, with the web tools to build web applications because the programming model is different. And we said with ASP.NET and web forms, it should be the same model. And then we right. extended that also to mobile. It used to be if you wanted people to be able to access the data with the mobile tools, you, again, called in a different team with a different set of tools with a different programming model. It was similar but different. And... .NET, we created the .NET Compact Framework and Smart Device Extensions and said, no, it should be the same model. Nay, nay. Now we're saying Office is a UI. It's a set of applications that people spend a lot of time in, particularly Word and Excel, also others, which we'll eventually get to. And you want to be able to write code behind those UIs, just as sometimes you have WinForm is the UI, sometimes you'll have Browser as the UI, sometimes PocketPC is the UI, sometimes Word and Excel are the UI. Another but good from reason. From a developer standpoint, I just want to write .NET Framework code. Right. I just want, and I want to write it in VB or C Sharp. And it's another good reason to, uh, to do things in an N-tier way. This is just another presentation tier. Exactly. What, is, what do you say to the existing VBA programmers out there? Does the... Does VBA as a language go away? And and while you're answering that, what about the word macro language for the five people that are still using that? <laughs> well, none of those things go away. VBA okay. doesn't go away. VBA is... I heard that big sigh of relief right there from somebody out in out VBA is still in Office 12. It's still fully supported. We still have... Holy shit, we're on 12? Excuse me? You're on 12? Did I say 12? 12? 
All right. I meant I meant to say 2003, no, but... No, I, I just can't believe there's been 12 versions of Office. Now that the cat's out of the bag, VBA will be in the next version of Office, which will codename Office 12 for the purposes of this conversation. Wow. Right. I, I keep up with it by the object library version. Uh, you know, 9 was yeah, I was still the last nine. one I paid attention to. <laughs> wow. I was in a wow. meeting the, uh, a couple weeks ago, and, and somebody kept referring to Office 9. And I had to do the math to figure out what version you were talking about. <laughs> VBA will, is in Office today, will be in the next version of Office. It's not going away anytime soon. Hey, do you guys, do you guys have In-N-Out burgers in Seattle? Sadly, no. Those are so awesome, aren't they? <laughs> Where did that come from? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm hungry, I guess. Huh? The other thing we're sadly lacking here is Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, speaking of Hungary, did you hear about this guy that got eaten by the bear? That's been in the news lately. Oh, he didn't get eaten. He got sort of... Well, part of him got eaten. Dragged a bit. Did it, really? Yeah. yeah they, uh, once they killed the bear, it, it took something like 20 shots uh, to take this bear down. Uh, they, they found remains in the bear. Really? Yeah. Now, he was a, a bear expert that apparently uh, it, you know, was self-taught, if there is such a thing, uh, that, that would go... Uh, I guess what what's the area in Alaska where all the the grizzlies Kodiak hang out? Uh, yeah Kodiak he he would go there and hang out with these bears so apparently one attacked him and his girlfriend and and killed them both so a, a friend and I were talking about this at lunch today and uh, he was saying that the the park rangers recommend that you carry pepper spray with you or or you know put something that makes noise like bells on your shoelaces. <laughs> and, uh, you know, look for signs whenever you're out in the park uh, for bear droppings uh, so you Scat, can avoid these it. bears. So uh, so I had to ask him, I said, well, how do you know a bear dropping from any other kind of dropping? And he said, well, the bear droppings usually contain pepper spray and bells. <laughs> I thought if you confronted a bear, you were just supposed to walk right up to it and bop it in the nose. Oh, yeah, that'll work. Yeah, really? I think he Unless tried Unless he's that. hungry. <laughs> They hate being bopped in the nose. We'll just run away and cry. Yeah, right. Hey, so what I think it, what, this guy's up for a Darwin Award now. What did Siegfried say to Roy? Pardon oh. me, Roy. Is that the cat that chewed your new shoes? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I dare you to leave that in the tape. I will. He will. I swear to God, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Carl here, and I want to tell you about a product from my friends at DocSoft, uh, which has to do with this very topic. It's called W2XML, and it converts Word, RTF, HTM, HTML, and other formats to well-formed XML. How about that? It's completely scalable and provides many options to modify the standard output to an XML format to meet your project's requirements. It comes with an XSLT that allows you to export DocBook-compliant XML. And that provides you with an easy means of converting your legacy data for use within the DocBook framework with minimal effort. Well, what about Word 2003? While it's pretty cool to be able to use Word 2003 to map and export XML, that doesn't provide an easy means of converting existing or legacy Word docs to XML. Well, W2XML can bridge that gap for you, making it easy to export pure XML data from your Microsoft Word documents from days of yore. One of the best features of W2XML version 2.1 is that you can create a custom XSLT to automatically convert the standard output to your specific XML schema. So you can create a single XSLT to map all your Word data correctly, rather than having to map each individual Word doc to XML using Word 2003. I think it's pretty cool, and you should check it out. You can download a free trial at www.docsoft.com slash W2XML. Hey, now let's get back to our uh, talk with Robert Green about the uh, Visual Studio tools for Office 2003 right here on .NET Rocks. Don't you go away. VBA, so VBA does not yeah, go away. VBA is not going away. Um, so what I would say to VBA developers is, if you have not moved to vb.net yet or C-sharp, come on over. We'd love to have you. 
but you could certainly continue to use VBA. I'd say to them that VB.net and C Sharp, Visual Studio Tools for Office, add some things that might be interesting for you to have. Um, the maintenance benefits, the security benefits. What would be the biggest challenge to VBA programmers for picking up VBA, do you think? Maybe Mark can answer this, too. For moving to VB.net? Yeah. Well, it's similar, think? I think, to the to the issues that the, to the experience VB6 guys had since VBA is based on the same VB that VB6 was. So language-wise, the issues are going to be similar. ADO to ADO.net, um, variants, and, you know, the... The list of things. Right. But I think there's a lot of learning, obviously, that's taken place that uh, VBA guys can take advantage of. Yeah. They can piggyback on the trails that the VB6 guys have blazed. Uh, what about object-oriented development? Now, uh, with with VBA, certainly you didn't have the ability to do inheritance. Uh, are they going to have full access to everything in the framework, just like any programmer does? Absolutely, because... When you use Visual Studio Tools for Office, you are in Visual Studio. It's a new project type, and instead of using the WinForm Designer or the WebForm Designer, you you don't yet have the Excel or Word Designer. You'll get that in, in the WinBee version. Um, but then the code you write is the same code that you're writing in any other application, VisualStudio.net. So you have full support for everything. You can use inheritance to your heart's content, you can ignore it and never touch it or anything in between. Wow. Well, I just got to say things keep getting better and better. Yeah, they I, do. I can't imagine where we're going to be in a year and a half, say. It's unbelievable. I get this question a lot uh, from people who want to know if, you know, the new Office Tools object model is all managed code. And I remember, I can't remember who we asked, Mark, on the show about that. But but the the answer was it'll probably never be hundred percent converted to managed code from com. Yeah, maybe Ken gets. I think we've talked to him about Office before. Yeah, that's right. What, well, what do you think? I don't. Office at the moment is not necessarily planning on rewriting every line of code in Office in .NET. Um, just as I don't think SQL Server is, and I don't think Windows did either. Um, Today, Office ships the PIAs, the primary interop assemblies, so makes it doable that you talk to Office from .NET. They are sitting down now and designing the next version, which we've codenamed Office 12 for them. They're going to think about <laughs> to what extent do they want to .NETify it, if you will. Um, and they right. have a lot of very smart people, very hard at work thinking about that. And there's a lot of options that they have on the table as well as all the other things they have on the list. So I think we'll see much, much better support for .NET development in the next version of Office and beyond. But exactly what they do uh, kind of remains to be seen. Do you have any numbers, uh, Robert, in terms of how many Office developers there are out there versus, you know, say, VBNet or VB6 developers? I think we're saying at the professional level it's about 3 million or so. Wow. That's a few. Yep. That is quite a few. Well, you know, Robert, it makes me wonder uh, if if everyone was kind of aware of what you can do with, uh, with office tools. I, I tend to think that programmers could save a lot of time uh, developing certain types of applications because... You can you can basically use it to glue together things like Excel and Word, uh, rather than having to say duplicate a business process from scratch and code with a UI. Yeah. Yeah. Not only can you take advantage of the world's most popular spell checker, the world's most popular graphing and charting tool, but you can also from inside them call web services to your heart's content both in VBA using the downloadable VBA Web Services Toolkit, um, which, by the way, has been updated for Office 2003, or by using the .NET Framework. And I think that's key because what it really does is it opens up your business objects that you already have written and are already using in either ASP.NET or Windows Forms to Office. You know, here's a good example. We have statistics that we gather on our web downloads here for .NET Rocks. 
and I've recently changed over the log format from log files and extended log files to ODBC logging, so we're logging directly to SQL Server. Then I have a, a business object out there that goes to SQL Server and makes sense out of it, out of those numbers, and I can access that through a web service. So now I have a little Windows application that runs with a with a grid, and it calls the web service asynchronously, which I assume you can do from the new Office tools. If you have the framework, you can do asynchronous calls. Right. And and so it updates, you know, constantly in real time the numbers, and, and that would be a nice thing to sort of just embed in a spreadsheet or in a in a Word document. I mean, you know, writing a document, uh, printing out a report is easy, is as easy as creating a Word doc, putting the numbers where you want, and hitting the print button. Right, and you can write that code once and call it from the web, call it from Excel, call it from WinForms. The web thing is very important because there, there are ramifications for reporting tools, which are very, very expensive, as you know. Um, how far does it go? I mean, you know, how far does it go to compete with something like Crystal Reports or ActiveReports.net? I mean, it's a, I know it's a different animal, but people are going to want to use it for the same thing, don't you think? We don't really view it so much as competing with the things you mentioned. You know, we did the Visual Studio tools for Office more for cases where Word and Excel are the UI. And even in the Widby version where you're writing to the data on the server, at the end of the day, someone opens up an Excel spreadsheet or opens up a Word document, the data and the code get downloaded and run. So we're really highly focused on the specific scenario of people sitting down in Word, sitting down in Excel, and then ultimately sitting down in other Office applications. You know, I think what we're competing with is people that are using Word without the benefit of sophisticated and powerful code going out and getting data from various places, connecting to the other business systems, and helping them build their documents. I think uh, the competition is what happens when you don't write code that sits behind these documents. What are the opportunities you're losing out on for helping people do a better job of managing data? Yeah. That's really what we're focused on. So one other question I have is uh, I, I'm always, I have the voice of the existing you know, uh, programmer base out there in my head, mm-hmm. and one of them is saying, Will this work with older versions of Office, or is this only Office 2003 that we get this stuff in? Right. Visual Studio Tools for Office is only Office 2003, as well as Visual Studio 2003. Okay. So it is a compelling reason to upgrade Office. Right. You not only get the XML support, which is compelling, you get the um, ability to use Visual Studio Tools for Office, which I think is compelling. Um there's InfoPath, which is interesting. The smart documents. There's a lot of cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff out there. Absolutely true. So this has been launched. It's been released. If you're an MSDN subscriber, I imagine you can download it. Um, right. Where can can you buy this stuff at your local Staples or Office Max store or, or online? Where can you get it? The best place to get it, uh, of course, is MSDN subscriptions. Um and we should, uh, just for clarity's sake, distinguish between Visual Studio Tools for Office, the technology, and Visual Studio Tools for Office, the box. The box okay. itself contains, of course, Visual Studio Tools for Office, and it's a Visual Studio branded box. It also contains the Access 2003 runtime license and mm. the Access 2003 developer extensions, things like the Packaging Wizard, a global find wizard, tools to um, let Access developers reduce the amount of time it takes to not only develop but also deploy solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, importantly, this is where the Access 2003 runtime license now lives. It used to live in the Office Developer Edition. There is no Office 2003 Developer Edition anymore. Okay. So the runtime license now lives in Visual Studio Tools for Office Box. And also in there okay. is SQL Server 2000 Developer Edition and VB.NET 2003 Standard Edition. 
Oh. Which works with Visual Studio Tools for Office. All right, so it's a big box. It doesn't it's just contain. A, it's a nice box. Yeah. Doesn't just contain the Office tools. Right. And the technology, what's that? That is the the add-in to Visual Studio that gives you the ability to do everything we've been talking about so far. Okay. And is that is that free? Once you buy the box, it is. <laughs> oh, okay. If you own Visual <laughs> Studio, is it free? It's not free. Okay. It's a $199 upgrade for anybody that owns Visual Studio. Oh, that's not bad. It's $199 for anybody that owned the previous Office Developer Edition. Okay. So I think it's it's pretty reasonably priced. Yeah, I would say so. Um, there's a lot of good information on Visual Studio Tools for Office, white papers, walkthroughs, hands-on labs on the Office Developer Center on MSDN. Microsoft.com forward slash office. And I would I would encourage folks to go out there and learn about the tools there. And then when they get them, there's a lot of information there to help them get uh, good at using them. Well, it's been a it's been a great hour talking to you, Robert. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Robert, man, it's been a, a simply fantastic to uh, get to talk to you tonight about this. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, very very illuminating Absolutely. conversation. And you know, to all the the vb.net C# Sharp developers out there, you know, take a look at this. This is very cool stuff. It may save you some time and money. A great way to take a look at it, by the way, is on the Visual Studio online hosted experience, uh, msdn.microsoft.com forward slash vstudio forward slash try it. Uh, we've had the Visual Studio. Um, online experience for a while. We've just recently added Visual Studio Tools for Office and Word and Excel to that. So you can actually try these things out online for free. Very cool. Well, on behalf of all the listeners and myself and Mark, I want to thank you for coming on the show, Robert. And hey, we'll have you back when you're a, uh, you know, after you've had some experiences, the VBPM. Yeah, once I figure out what my new job is, I'd love to come back and talk about Absolutely, it. Absolutely, <laughs> you do that. Yeah, it's a done deal. All right, we'll talk to you later, man. Oh,